Drabblecast B-Sides, episode 37, Parasite, by Leslie J. Anderson. Leslie lives in Ohio with her husband and a blue-tongued skink named Elizabeth. Her works appeared in Asimov's Daily Science Fiction, Andromeda Spaceways In-Flight Magazine, and Strange Horizons. Her collection of speculative poetry, An Inheritance of Stone, was recently released by Alliteration Inc. Her novel, The Cricket Prophecies, an urban fantasy novel about a waitress who takes a job at a magical dive bar, is forthcoming from Postmortem Press this May. Visit her website at lesliejanderson.com. The story is read to you by Angela Lee. So without further ado, we bring you Parasite by Leslie J. Anderson. The brain may be regarded as a kind of parasite of the organism, a pensioner, as it were, who dwells within the body. Arthur Schopenhauer, German philosopher. There was a black one-way window between me and my father watching my interrogation. I imagined he was looking down at me with the rest of the generals on the second story. The room looked down into the empty cement room where I sat, alone, on a white chair, watching a black video screen. The decision to move them to another floor had been made recently, after one of their interrogations became violent. Well, uh, that is, the person being interrogated became violent. Uh, the screen had been showing nothing now for 30 minutes, but we could all hear a woman's breathing. My breathing. Recorded in my memory and played for the room. Below that, I could hear the familiar chug of a planet hopper's engine. We were watching my memory of my last mission, dragged out of my brain by the wires against my temples and spine. Uh, there were tiny needles, thinner than hair, laced into my skin. Um, but I didn't like thinking about those. I shifted in my seat and the feed jumped a little. I was so uncomfortable. I wanted nothing more than to run screaming from the room. Not that this was my first memory scan. It's standard procedure after any long-range mission, especially after parasite attacks, and especially when something goes wrong. Something had gone very wrong. They told me I had been found drifting in the ship, alone, except for the bodies of the rest of the crew. And I didn't remember that. I felt numb about it. They couldn't be dead, my friends. They would come through the metal door at any moment and ask what I was doing. Why wasn't I out drinking with them? Clearly I remembered something, though, because there it was on the big screen. It was 2 a.m., Earth Standard Time, and I was asleep. My brain wasn't registering any stimuli, but it was still there. It was still happening. I wonder if Marcus was beside me in that bed. They told me Marcus was dead. They're lying, I thought fiercely. I felt vomit creep up the back of my throat. There was a click above my head. The intercom had been turned on. Sarah, do you have any recall so far? I recognized the voice. It was General Cromar, a friend of my father's. They went through the academy together. He came to Thanksgiving at our house most years. I swallowed. No, sir, I said. Like I explained, I remember boarding for Titan, and then nothing. You're not leaving anything out? He sounded almost hopeful, and for just a second I felt sorry for him. It couldn't be easy to investigate your friend's daughter. I did leave something out. I left out Marcus kissing me quickly on the cheek when our captain turned to trace the outline route on the map with his gloved hand. 
Marcus was so excited when we were shipped out together. <laughs> Sam, to my right, stuck his tongue out at us. It was my last memory, but I didn't feel like I had to share it with these assholes. It is mine. Luckily, they had skipped ahead to the night of the malfunction when the ship started transmitting to Earth. I gave a secret thank you to my father. It was protocol to start the night before, but he probably didn't want to watch his daughter roll around naked. That was kind of him, and I secretly resented him for it. Who was he to protect me? I know I was being irrational, but maybe it was starting to sink in that if the sleeping me woke up on the screen, I would watch my friends die. Yeah, your daughter was in love. Deal with it. She gave her whole life to your military, and then she got a little bit for herself. Something changed on the screen. There was a click like fingernails against the metal walls of the ship. There were a few more in rapid succession. Click. 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 I shuddered. I knew that sound meant the parasites, the strange bug creatures about the size of fingernails that had started showing up in mining operations on asteroids. From there, they ended up back in the small mining communities. People walked off the ships like nothing was wrong. Then it spread like wildfire, eating away at people until they died. Luckily, dementia seemed to set in early. There were a lot of theories about how they worked, drilling into your skull, pan-dimensional beings that jumped into your brain, spinal tapping. But the military thought it best to nuke the places and investigate the ashes so no one was sure. That was why the UNIA, our military, started doing these scans to catch infections early. So far, it had been infective. The eyes opened on the screen. I saw Marcus's room with his old-fashioned alarm clock on the bedside table, with the gloved mouse and the two silver bells on top. That thing was ridiculously loud, and I tended to pull the pillow over my face when it rang. It always made him laugh. On top of it was an insect, small and roughly cockroach-shaped, except that it was clear as glass. It shimmered and jumped toward my face. This isn't real. It's not happening. I screamed, not there in the moment, but on the screen. The visual shifted widely as I swung my head around, my hands darting into my vision now and then, trying to pull the thing off of me. In one of the swings, I got a look at the open door of the cabin. Sam lay in the hallway, bleeding. He had been shot. The laser cauterized the wound so his chest simply gaped like a black crater. His eyes looked blankly into the cabin. My scream renewed, and I swung my head in the other direction. It came in contact with the metal wall, and the screen went blank. I'd lost consciousness. Dear God, I heard my father say, and I realized they'd left the intercom on. I need to get out of here. I can't handle this. I can't! I knew it. It's too late. The bugs got her, someone said. We'll take her to decontamination. We've never had a cognizant subject before. I'm still here, you ass. I can hear you. This is my mind. See? Watch me recall Sarah. I was the fifth youngest cadet to graduate the academy even though my mother died my freshman year. I thought about Marcus making me breakfast. He was just standing in the kitchen when I got home from the spaceport with a careful smile on his face. I am not a bug. I fought them off. I am free. I felt like I was going to throw up again. I could taste the acid in the back of my throat, on my tongue. I realized I was standing. My hands were clenched into fists at my side. There was black on the screen, but the sound was still working. There were screams and the weird ripping velcro noise of laser guns. I couldn't focus on it, or the argument that had broken out among the generals. 
I felt hot, blazingly hot. I could especially feel it in my ears and in the back of my throat. They have no right to see this. They have no right. I should leave now. I put my hand around the wires woven into my skin and was about to pull it out when I heard Marcus's voice. Sarah? Sarah? Please don't. Come on. I love you. I looked up to the window. My heart thrilled that he was alive. Then I realized that the voice was coming from the screen. It was still blank, but I looked to it. Sarah? No! I love you! No! No! And then there was a sound like someone dropping out a couch. It wasn't a scream. Just a soft oof. And something liquid. And nothing. He's dead. Call the medics to come get her, someone said over the intercom. Have them bring restraints. Let's not have an incident like the last one. It's possible she fought them off, my father insisted. In any case, we should admit her immediately, Cromar suggested. His voice was soothing, trying to bring my father back to his senses. He means in prison. They could have passed her on her because she was unconscious. Or we just heard her kill that man, Cromar suggested. I hadn't realized I'd picked up the chair. It was metal and surprisingly heavy. The sensors tore out of my arm and I cried out with pain. The sound on the screen, something like a low sniffle or a sob, cut off abruptly. I could hear the generals calling out, giving orders, but it was too late. I was leaving. I slammed the chair against the door. The room rang with a metallic sound like a giant bell. The door crumpled a little at the handle. I struck it again, and it gave enough that I could tear it away from the frame. I didn't remember being so strong. I could hear boots running down the long hallway to the right. Idiots. They were guarding the generals, as if I had any interest in them. I am getting out of here. I thought of meeting Marcus in the mess hall. He had his feet on the table, and I shoved them off. I told him to have some respect. He laughed, and I felt something move inside me, like a seed sending out a single tendril. I guess that was the beginning of the end. He always said it was important to shirk some responsibility now and again. Well, here goes nothing. A soldier made a grab for me, but I slipped past him and used his momentum to slam him against the wall. There was a dull crack, and he fell down to the ground. Someone was calling my name down the hall, but I ignored it. Run! Run! I leapt for the door, which wasn't locked, and bolted across the yard. I was dressed in my off-duty gear, and no one stopped me. I ran around the back of the compound. I knew the guards behind me would run forward. Who would think to look for me deeper inside the compound? I ran the length of the wall until I found the grate over the sewer and jumped in, feeling nothing. No anger, no grief. I was empty, even as I put the grate in place and crouched in knee-deep sewage. I could follow the sewers straight into the city. Go. Go now. Go to where there are people. More people. Go disappear inside of them. I would tear them apart for what they let happen to my boy, to me, for locking me in a room, for invading my home, for thinking they could crawl out in space and we would just let them. The parasites.
This story was brought to you by Drabblecast Productions. Special thanks to our episode artist, Spencer Bingham. Spencer's a Bay Area artist and animationist. He floats around the internet at SC Bingham, and his work can be viewed at BinghamAnimation.com. For more free fiction week to week, check out the Drabblecast podcast at www.drabblecast.org.